0: Toronto Today with Greg Brady. Weekdays at 5.30. We are 640 Toronto.
1: Great to be here. I, is it better to have you here with me or is it better to have me here with you? I'm just happy to be back off for three days. People said, where'd you go? What'd you do? See the sites? Not really. Weeding. Uh, organizing. Some school supplies. Not for me. Not for me. Although I think about it. I think about it constantly. I might, if this teacher's college thing wasn't two years, I'd be in the classroom within a year. I understand there's a teacher shortage. And I'm, you want somebody to teach you uh, grade 12 history, grade 11 economics, coach tennis and badminton. Uh, I, I suck at volleyball. Volleyball is a sport. Everybody has that one sport. They think they're athletic and there's one sport they never could conquer, volleyball. I cannot figure it out. I know some people that are brilliant athletes. They never could figure out basketball. They dribble like um like the late Philip Seymour Hoffman in the in the uh Polly Here Comes Polly or whatever it was about Polly. That's not right either. Anyway, uh, volleyball was my uh my kryptonite, but but yeah, I'll be I'll be you know back in the classroom. I think I could even do the show. I think I could do this show and sh- and have first period off. And I'm, how hard can it be? Teachers are just throwing things at the radio right now. You know I love you. You know your time is coming. You're going to get praise out the yin-yang coming up next week. You will, Um, but it's great to be back. What I did this morning, by the way, coming in, in addition to sleeping in a little bit and racing here, is I uh, there's an elevator here that you take from the parking garage, and I just took it to the second floor. I've never done that. I've come into this building hundreds of times over the span of four years now. Kept coming in throughout the pandemic, didn't phase me. I'm not afraid of no ghost or or whatever was happening then. And um, I did get COVID last February, but I don't think I got it from here. Who knows where anybody gets it anymore, right? That's the whole point. But I hit two to go up to number two, and I'm like, wait a minute. I need to hit L and not two. So I eventually figured all that out. Is Steve Clark going to resign? Biggest question that's out there in politics and probably in the news right now. Doug Ford standing by him yesterday. Another report drops. The minister violated the Integrity Act. He violated the IA. Nobody calls it that. In the Greenbelt land swap. So what's that all mean? Now, yesterday, Doug Ford was quite defiant. Defiant. Put a statement out. He'll have a news conference today at 9 a.m. My, I wouldn't even call it a prediction. This is a sourced opinion. He makes it through the weekend. He's going to make it for several weeks and months on end. But at some point, like at some point in the next six months, he isn't going to be the housing minister. Why? It's too big. It's too big. And here's the here's the dilemma, the dichotomy for the opposition parties, and it always is, is what, what this Ford government has been very good at is figuring out what you don't like, and what your tipping point is. Because when that happens, they walk stuff back. And they know how to gain public favor. What'd they do with the gas tax? Remember, there was a tax on gas going into July last year. The war in Ukraine starts. All our all our prices at the pump are $2.15, $2.20. They say, we're going to give you a bit of breathing room. Federal government didn't do that because you, when you, they are married. I mean, they are committed to the carbon tax. They are linked for life to the carbon tax. They'll go down with the carbon tax. They're not going to reduce it. You can think what you want of it. And listen, nothing is universal. There is some merit to collecting and reducing carbon. There is some gigantic, ginormous hypocrisy about how the federal government has had has had to do things. We're going to close up playgrounds. Huh? Huh? We're going to close up playgrounds in the spring of 2021 when we have a pretty good read on how you could potentially gain the aforementioned COVID-19. We're going to shut it down playgrounds so kids can't play outside. You don't like that? Okay, we'll reverse it a day later. Oh, we're going to stop random cars. You've never seen Sylvia Jones so excited, who was then the Solicitor General. Actually, that's probably true. Um, And uh, and a day later, oh, you don't want us to stop cars and ask people where they're going randomly? Okay, we won't do that either. And is that good or bad for the opposition parties? It's bad. Cuz it tells you that the government's making themselves self accountable. And this is one where I think Doug Ford can gain a W and gain an element of trust. If you don't like him, you don't like him. If you if you're if you're partisan, you're partisan. If you're NDP till you die, you're NDP till you die and you just hope for a giant poop sandwich about all this stuff. You do. You do. And same thing, same thing. There's many people that feel that way about the Trudeau liberals. There's some people that want the poly of conservatives to fall on their face, this, that, and the other thing. Here's Mart Stiles from the NDP talking about how to gain the public's trust back and if indeed it's been lost.
2: It says to me that the premier does not care that his government is losing trust, the trust of Ontarians.
1: Okay, now we're ages away from an election. You and I know this. An election that the, uh, the conservatives basically pulled the other two parties' pants down and danced around them doing kid stuff like nyan 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 nya. Like, they, Like, honestly, they're like, we closed the outdoors on the entire province. And we still increased our majority. We fumbled COVID from time to time. Did this, walked it back, did that, walked it back. And you still voted for us. Because you didn't like the other choices and you didn't trust the other parties. Bingo. Colin DeMello, by the way, explains. Now, this is really significant about Ryan Amato, the dearly departed chief of staff for Minister Clark. Uh, And Colin DeMello explains that he tried to actually beg the premier. He tried to plead with Doug Ford. Please don't take this green belt land. This is bad politics
0: the premier personally approved a mandate letter that instructed his housing minister to target the Greenbelt for land removals. The integrity commissioner found that Clark handed off the responsibility to his then chief of staff, Ryan Amato, who had little experience in the role. Amato testified he believed the move was bad politics, and at one point even asked the premier, respectfully, sir, is this something that needs to be done, or is this one of the things we might not do? The response, Amato testified, they are very serious.
1: Yeah, does that sound like some kind of evil genius to you? Clark can't stay. I'm promising you he won't. But if he makes it through the weekend, then he's got several weeks of life left. Some people say it'll just be a penalty box visit. Go to the tripping, holding, hooking. Go to the penalty box for a little bit. Come back to cabinet. All will be good. He's really important to the Premier. Okay, and there's this is what we call, what we call in sports bench strength. The Premier's got it. And Steve Clark's a big player in that, uh, in that concept, but he can't stay. And I don't know if he makes it. This would just be like the conservative government to dump this on us around 5, 11 p.m. tomorrow, heading into a Labor Day weekend. The Minister of Housing has resigned. I think it's more likely to happen than not happen. We'll see if indeed it does.
0: Toronto Today with Greg Brady.
1: Weekdays at 5.30. We are 6.40 Toronto. So the green belt issue, a big, big one. It came out yesterday. There's so many layers to it. Doug Ford right now standing by Steve Clark, despite the report that the minister violated the Integrity Act in the Greenbelt land swap. Breaking the story for us yesterday and all over it, Queens Park Bureau Chief Colin DeMello, and he's kind enough to get up early and join us now. It's great to have you back, Colin. I appreciate it.
0: Hey, good morning. Thanks for having
1: me. I wonder if you're getting an instinct, a spidey sense, um, because I am, that uh, if Steve Clark makes it to the weekend, he's going to be safe for weeks on end. But it does seem like there's some deliberation. There's starting to be some buzz buzz that, that maybe he doesn't. That no matter what Doug Ford had to say yesterday and did say, that there's strong consideration to making a change here. What's your vibe of the situation?
0: Well, well, I mean, essentially, we're talking about a cabinet shuffle here, and, you know, there have been rumors about a potential cabinet shuffle, fu- shuffle flying around Queen's Park, or, you know, the entire summer, right? Typically, the mm-hmm. premier likes a cabinet around June when the legislature arrives, mm-hmm. but for some reason, this time, he put it off and put it off and put it off, and, and the rumors kept coming up and going down, and now we've been May be one that could be in the offing, maybe in the days ahead, maybe as early as as tomorrow. But but we just don't know for sure. Cabinet shuffle rumors are always rumors until they become fact. In fact, you know, it, in some cases, a cabinet minister's portfolio can be changed minutes before it's actually publicly announced. That's how closely guarded these secrets are. Uh, mm-hmm. But ultimately, yesterday the premier. You know, came out with a resounding um, show of support for his housing minister, saying that uh, Steve Clark will remain in the role and will try to build public trust and confidence as they move forward in their quest to build 1.5 million homes. So as of right now, the premier is suggesting Steve Clark isn't going anywhere.
1: So there's potential for it to be something honestly right out of the Justin Trudeau playbook in the summer when... There was a lot of hot water and rising temperatures for Marco Mendicino, and they let it cool for a little bit, and then all of a sudden a massive, it may not be to this extent, Colin, but a massive cabinet shuffle, and oh, look at that. All of a sudden, Marco Mendicino is not a cabinet minister anymore. It could look like that to some extent instead of one dismissal or one change.
0: Yeah, I mean, it could very well look like a a massive reorganization of of the entire uh, cabinet, but it would also you know lend itself to even more questions right why on one day does the government decide to back steve clark and then the next day decides to to move him around right it it, it really strikes um, at the at the heart of the the question of whether or not this government is competent and not chaotic Um, If if they were to do something like that, you know, to be honest, even those internally I've been speaking to are scratching their heads, trying to figure out exactly what is going on inside the premier's office and what their strategy is and what their approach is here with this. Nobody can really quite figure it out. So we'll just kind of have to see this unfold in real time, uh, because I I I would venture a guess that even they are trying to map out where they go from here.
1: Colin DeMell is joining us on Toronto Today on 640 Toronto. I mean, I've had people tell me they just don't have anyone in the cabinet that's got his municipal relations experience um, uh, Roma loves him uh, the AMO love him um, so he's got that sort of you know relationship that um, we sometimes see a cabinet position call and, and it's seen as wow that's a square peg in a round hole can that person handle something that front facing or something that's not quite a fit for their background but Clark has this like Clark has the background for this so I, I get that the premier wants to hang on for dear life to him but this may be inevitable as we're suggesting
0: well, yeah, you know, but the, the the premier also is the type of person who kind of sticks by people who are loyal to him, right? And mm-hmm. you know, Clark has shown um, publicly, privately that he is fairly loyal to uh, Premier Doug Ford, uh, and 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 the premier, you know, he is kind of a, a bit of a bleeding heart individual, right? Where he does. Feel uh, for the plight of others and, and doesn't necessarily always want to see people lose their jobs. I mean, you even look at Ryan Amato, who has become a central figure in all of this, the former chief of staff to the housing minister. The premier didn't want to fire him. Uh, in fact, you know, it was Ryan Amato who submitted his own resignation, much to the surprise of those in the premier's office, I've yeah. been told. So, really, uh, it's, it's, it's unsurprising that the premier would want to stick with uh, the housing minister. But when you take a look at this report, Greg, when it says Mm. that the housing minister deliberately kind of looked the other way, that he knew that the Greenbelt file was going to be so politically sensitive that he decided to kind of hand it off to his chief of staff and, quote, buried his head in the sand, you know, it it, it goes to show that there is a level of incompetence here that ultimately the premier is answerable for, right? Um, This is his government. He appoints all of the... um, all of the cabinet ministers, the premier's chief of staff appoints all of the chiefs of staff to those cabinet ministers. And the decision about opening up the green belt came from the premier himself. So if, if one cabinet minister is really disengaged with a process because they feel like it's politically sensitive, I mean, what does that say about the entire government, right? There's going to be a lot of people who are engaged in politically sensitive files. What if they all decided to stick their heads in the sand? Where does that leave you know, your government and my government, where does that leave the entire structure? Um, and, and that's a question the premier will likely be facing today.
1: Well, and something I noticed in in your report on uh, on Global News at Six last night that, that I didn't see everywhere else was the notation that a really, you know, again, for as much as he could, right? Everybody's got a boss. Everybody's boss has a boss. He pushed back as much as he couldn't. He said... Is this you know, th- th- this is this might be politically dangerous, which, again, he's allowed to say that he's allowed to think that. And he really registered his opinion with Doug Ford saying, I don't see a big win here in opening all this land up. You Your report noted that.
0: Yeah. I, and Ryan Amato told the integrity commissioner that he believed that this was sound policy, but perhaps bad politics. Yeah. And of course, you know, that is that is central to any a central consideration for any government. But the, the, the report showed that Ryan Amato was inexperienced in this role and was scrambling because he was kind of left really unsupervised and unchecked by his boss, the housing minister, Steve Clark. And so when he was left to his own devices, he really started creating this very hurried, haphazard, chaotic process to decide which lands are removed from the Greenbelt. And, I, you know, even last night I was reading uh, through this report, and there are some lands in the Greenbelt that even a motto's saying, I, you know, I, I can't remember how that land came to my attention. Um, you know, some, some lands were given to him on USB sticks. Some of them were given to him by developers in, in packages at, at – um,
1: Yeah. At the dinner. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And and he, and and I think that this is all why during this process, he says he went to the premier. This is Amato's testimony. He says, he went to the premier and said, sir, do you, do you really want to do this? Or is this something that we're just thinking about and not actually going to do? And he came away with the impression that, you know, the premier's office is serious about pulling the trigger on this. That's it.
1: That's it. Hey, Colin, we'll stay on this file. Thanks so much for this and have a great Labor Day weekend. We don't talk to you. Appreciate the, you getting up this early for us.
0: My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Toronto Today with
1: Greg Brady. Weekdays at 5.30. We are 6.40 Toronto. We were talking about um, Mitch McConnell freezing up yesterday. It's very uncomfortable to watch. Anybody who's got aging parents uh, watches for these kind of signs. But yes, here we're sending politicians around. Diane Feinstein at 90. Um, McConnell at 81 or 82. Biden a year behind him. And it's very difficult. Somebody brings up, I know age is just a number because they bring up um, Hazel McCallion. And yes, yes, if there was an age limit for politicians okay um that hazel you'd miss a lot of great years in mississauga for mayor hazel mccallion i don't think there's a solution but i can imagine mitch mcconnell's close confidence relatives etc being really uncomfortable diane feinstein's family has sort of you could tell they're sort of wavering on these fences it's, it's tricky but so is politics in general we're going to get to uh, the issues yesterday regarding the green belt and all that stuff with our guest she is the uh, leader of the opposition of the ontario new democrats she is marit styles thanks for coming on the show as always it's great to have you back
2: hi great hi greg it's great to be here
1: let me throw you that curveball to some extent i think we don't do this quite as much in in ontario or in canada um age is just a number but i, I don't love the idea of a term limit or an age we, but we don't let people run who are 18 or 19 either i do, do you see any merit in um a, a, an age limit for a politician
2: You know, I I think it's, I think that people of all ages can actually really, uh, I I think the real issue is, are you, are you capable of it? Like, do you, do you feel like you're up to it? And I mean, I honestly think in our system, it's quite different than the United States. Mm -hmm. But, but I don't know, I, I've met. So many people who are, you know, who were forced to retire at sixty-five, you know, not that long yeah. ago, who 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 could have kept going for another ten years, and we're vibrant and active, and we benefit from those folks. So I'm not sure. I mean, I, it is really awful to watch what's happening to Mitch McConnell, and you think to yourself, you know, surely somebody needs to be able to step in there and say it's time to go. But uh, but I but yeah, I, I don't really believe that. I think that for the most part, it's not been an issue. Most people kind of know when they're. Time is is up, and their their families step in, and most people, frankly, and in politics, you know, the funny thing with politics is you you get elected every four years, so the, the 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 people have an opportunity to say, you know what, it's it's over now.
1: I think they do, yeah, and and I think you can gain. Uh, energy and uh, and power it's, a, it's such so yeah. circumstantial. it's how you're living. it's extra my mom's seventy seven Mar lives outside of London like she's she says I'm sharper now because I got you and your sisters out of the house. I stopped raising you guys <laughs> yeah. and you went out on your own and I got my own time to read and and uh, and breathe. But it's right. uh, it was a circus for 15 years with you three kids so, in the house. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so true, right? So many people, and I think it's. I mean, I think especially with that generation, but it's it's particularly true with women, right? Because a lot yep. of them will have maybe maybe they they stayed home and and they didn't have a chance to do other things, and then you know you're gone, and they have a chance to actually you know have a whole other life and a whole other career, and a lot of people are doing that. So I think it's it's actually mm-hmm. benefits, and I like to have like a whole range of ages in our caucus. I find it so beneficial.
1: Yeah, I think I think. I think it's unique. It's a it's a breath of fresh air. Um, My prediction. I know you're you're in the uh, uh, call out business in a way not in the prediction business, but I'm I'm into both. And, and I actually think there's going to be a move on Steve Clark, either his own or otherwise before 5 p.m. Are you getting a sense that this is this is you've called for it? Many others have. Are you getting a sense that that you're going to get that box checked and there'll be a new housing minister at some point in the next several weeks?
2: Uh, I think that probably if I was going to you know imagine what's going to happen next that that mr. Ford will probably uh, try to shuffle his cabinet and make it part of a bigger change and say oh yeah I was just shuffling my cabinet anyways he really doesn't like to look like he's ever you know made a mistake and he clearly doesn't want to take responsibility for this and and I think you know firing his minister would be taking responsibility and it's about Time, But it won't end things. I think that's really important, because the fact that Mr. Ford has not backed down, um, to me, it has sent a very strong message. I sense that there's a lot to hide there, and uh, we're not going to keep digging, because we know that uh, this will not end until the land is returned to the Green Belt.
1: It's seen in transcripts, looking at it and, and seeing some of the coverage of it from the integrity commissioner, that the now departed Ryan Amato, the chief of staff for Minister Clark, it's documented, it's verified that he went to Doug Ford, the premier, and respectfully said, are you sure we should do this? So, again, you know, we've learned a lot just in the last week. Ryan Amato wasn't some uh, rogue, evil genius doing this. Clearly, clearly to me, Mart, he had he had <laughs> marching orders.
2: Right. Absolutely. And, you know, uh, Doug Ford is explicitly implicated in the report. You're right. Uh, There are more investigations also underway. Uh, The integrity commissioner, I had also put in a request for him to investigate uh, Mr. Ford's connections to some of these developers and those, you know, the stag and doe and all of those things. Um, So I think we're just scratching the surface here uh but again he is explicitly implicated in the report there are a number of instances there where uh he was he was uh it's not really clear like like he mr amato said that he got files right from the premier uh several civil servants actually took note of that uh, mentioned that to the integrity commissioner uh he says that never happened uh but i, I think that you know the premier is trying very hard to keep his phone records and his emails secret and if he had nothing to hide why wouldn't he share them
1: mart styles is joining us ontario ndp leader on toronto today it's a pointed question how do you make political capital of this how do you make of potential voters realize what what your perspective on this is when an election is 32 33 months away and and their attention just is right Back to work, back to school, putting food on the table, gas in the car. People are busy, busy lives. How do you make people pay attention to something? It it is important. It affects everything. Housing, all these dominoes are affected by it. How do you make people you know, give this a spotlight and give it its just due?
2: What I'm finding is that a lot of people are aware of what's happening. I mean, I I think that there's two things. Maybe uh, people who didn't necessarily... You know the the Greenbelt issue, issue didn't connect with them. Maybe they're in a different part of the province and it didn't really connect. Um, they're now hearing about it because of the the sort of the scandal because uh, because and I think what's connecting with people is that the idea that the government made decisions that were entirely uh, just to benefit a couple of very wealthy people who are connected to the Conservative Party who donate and and I think that. Really, for a lot of people out there, integrity is important. You know, I mean, I'm not I'm I'll be the last to say that people have, you know, high opinions of government and politicians. But I think that, you know, and, and this sort of thing really erodes that, which is why I, I really am upset about it. But I think a lot of people out there, they think, you know, I, I, I like I work hard at my job. I'm expected to play by the rules um, and I don't want a government like this. And so that's really resonating and everywhere I go, honestly, it's people are talking about it. Uh, in you know farmers are talking about it uh, i 'm meeting small business owners who are talking about it, and then you know of course, a lot of people are are actually really upset about what 's being done to the greenbelt so there 's that as well so i think it 's actually connecting with a lot of people. Uh, the only thing that I wish is I wish that i well obviously I wish this had never happened and uh, mm-hmm. you know I think it erodes trust in government and that 's not healthy uh, and so that 's one of the things i 'm saying to the premier is you know like do the right thing here because. It is, it is not healthy for our democracy when people uh, just assume that government is dirty. Guess what? You know, government doesn't need to be. And in the past, it hasn't always been in this province. We had good government. And this, this government is eroding that
1: um it's uh it's smart styles joining us on toronto today on 640 toronto being uh you were the ndp education critic i want to ask you in the last couple minutes we have about something the education minister Stephen lecce said about what schools should do informing parents if children wish to change their pronouns or if they're going through something at school i'm sure in the styles household in the brady household we'd say to our kids You can tell me anything at any time and we'll talk about it. I get that not every household is like that, but the polls seem pretty overwhelming that the public says no matter where it goes, maybe we need some safeguards in place. But the polls seem to strongly suggest, Marth, that that parents need to be informed. They want to be informed if their child wants to identify differently. It's a tough topic. What do you say about it?
2: Um, well, I think first of all that you know, I, like you and I, we were as you were saying. I mean, I, 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 as a parent, a parent, I have two daughters. I want them to share things with me. I want to protect them when things are happening at school. A lot of us, you know, want to know if our kids are going to be in a vulnerable position. But I think the reality is that there are many situations where kids uh, do not have safety in their homes, and uh, in fact, you know, I. Know many people who are gay, lesbian, who uh, were not—that was not welcomed in their households, mm-hmm. and um, let alone trans, right? And mm-hmm. it's a—it's a really difficult thing for a lot of families, and I do think that. There's, we have to create like a safe atmosphere at schools that kids can share things. And you know, I, I got to say, I think for the most part, you know, schools and you know, it really is about supporting kids to be able to um, do what is going to make them the happiest and healthiest, and support them. But. Uh, I think it's just that we have to be realistic about what every family that every family is not the same that way and um, so i I think I understand as a parent why people feel that way uh, but i I have to say I think that there are some things that sometimes uh, kids and uh, you know their reality at home may be very very different than what. Uh, than what you and I
1: have, I, w- I I wish all the all this digging could could come up with a happy medium and compromise. I worry sometimes people are so dug in on their side of a. What seems like an ideological issue, which I think is silly. I think it should be about practicality, yeah. like you said. And and there's vulnerable households that if you bring home bad marks, you're gonna you, you know you're gonna get in big trouble. If you don't make a sports team or you're like there's there's just there's problematic households um, that are going to be there no matter what. I don't know how to how to put some safeguards and some bumpers well, and in to make sure they're okay.
2: I think honestly, like that in most schools, you know, if if you look back on it, like your teachers are actually often. On many issues, they're looking to you as the parent to talk about things when they notice that the kid is struggling with something and they want to share and they want to talk you through things to help support the kid. Um, I think that the uh, government, and I, this is what I think is really unfortunate, I think they're yeah. making a mountain out of a molehill here. And uh, I don't think this is uh, I, I, I think that, you know, and I think that a lot of those polls aren't really framing the question the right way. But, you know, I'm getting into the weeds now. No,
1: I, I, I just, just I want day. there to be a policy. I yeah. think we need a policy because yeah. we kind of don't have one right now. And we're all kind of going rogue in a good way sometimes, too. But we don't have a policy. And I think we need what we need to work towards one um, together is, mm-hmm. is what I think. I got a blast. And, and I thank you for coming on. I hope you have a great Labor Day weekend. and We'll certainly stay on this issue. And thanks for giving us your time this morning.
2: Thank you. Great
1: to be here. Mart Stiles joining us. Ontario NDP leader.
0: Toronto Today with Greg Brady. Weekdays at 530. We are 640 Toronto.
1: All right. So you've heard of the uh, movie Four Weddings and a Funeral. Sure you have. Um, the headline in the Daily Mail, Two Weddings and a Firing. And we'll utilize this for our in-out. But we'll give you the story and the audio first. Um Chiba, I don't know how to describe this other than to read the first sentence from the story. A furious groom has sacked his brother from his plumbing company after the younger sibling, quote, ruined his wedding day by proposing to his girlfriend during his best man's toast. The business owner shared his story on Reddit. Of course he did. Um, Hired his brother three years ago after the pandemic left him jobless. um, And the brother, quote, stole the shine and, quote, ruined his wedding with the surprise proposal, quote, me and my wife were appalled, the groom stated, adding he decided to fire him the very next day because he couldn't imagine seeing him every day at work. He claims his brother who will receiving severance pay doesn't understand why his employment was terminated and thinks the groom is being selfish and irrational. Let's quickly play you a clip. They debated this on Good Morning Britain this morning. I don't know the names, um, but it, I could make up names, but here's the debate. And, and here's a woman defending the brother doing this.
3: Absolutely. I mean, I'd prefer it wasn't that somebody was going down the aisle. But by the time you get <laughs> to the speeches, everyone's had a few drinks. Your day is mostly over. And if you love somebody, I would be delighted if my sister got married, got engaged at my wedding. Rebecca, it's just more love.
1: The day's not over, is it? That's, the, that's basically the, the main oh, part. The main
3: bits are over. The
1: whole that, point <laughs> of the best man speech is to honour the groom, because not everyone at the wedding
0: knows who the groom is. Yeah, they're just there, invited. So the best man gets to say a nice little anecdote, have funny I or whatever. just
3: boring stories about like, oh, when we were at uni, we were so naughty, we drank. Loads yeah. Of so you think I'd live much and rather out see somebody enough. get down on one knee than tell a dull story about no. rugby?
0: You know what it is? It's the height of
1: narcissism. I don't know. I look around the room for the naughty university stories and watch the uh, watch the reaction when the bridesmaids and the and the groomsmen get up there. Sheba, what do you think about that debate uh, among the two uh, parties there?
3: Okay, I think that the brother and all of the lingo he's using and how appalled he is and he ruined his wedding. I think he's being very dramatic, like the actual groom. Is like calm down. You're gonna have way bigger issues in your marriage than the fact that your brother proposed at your wedding. I do think it was ill-timed. I don't think that the brother should have done that. I do think it steals someone else's thunder. You're at the wedding, it should only be about the couple. Uh and I guess he thought, you know what, it's my brother. I love him. We work together, I work at his company. It might be romantic. Uh, and it did take the shine away from the bride. Because at the end of the day, it really is about the bride. We don't care what the groom is wearing, what he did, where he tosses. any. We want to know tell all me. about the bride. Sorry. <laughs> I can't tell you. It is what it is. We <laughs> I worked hard. Us, okay. I, I I
1: ran like a maniac. And I got tan. I You know, I, I might have even Didn't done a tanning bed ring? session.
3: Hmm? You forgot the wedding ring?
1: No, nothing like that happened at all. Oh,
3: your best friend. It was your friend's wedding.
1: Uh... No, I forgot to pick up a groomsman. I was supposed to take him uh, to the uh, wedding, and I left the hotel. I was so frazzled because you're nervous on that day, and I forgot to pick up one of my five groomsmen. So I get a call Did he miss at the, the wedding. I no, I, well, someone else brought him, but I get a call at the venue to get because you want to be there to get early for pictures and make sure everybody's going on and everything. And the bride's not showing up until later, and uh, and I forgot to pick. He's like, "Where are you? You're supposed to drive me. I don't have a ride." And I'm like, "Oh, that, yeah." And this was before texting by a year. We got oh, married gosh. in 2004. So none of us were like, so you got to pick up phones and call hotel rooms and call be, people. Yeah, you got to do those things.
3: You I, well, I, I just think it's overly dramatic. I think it's it's ill-timed. It's it's in poor uh, it's poor etiquette to do that. But it's your brother. Don't fire him from your company. Have a conversation with I,
1: him. I think there's a more than a 24-hour rule. Anyway, let's do in or out on this to- very topic.
3: Are you in or
4: out? Just when I thought I was out, they pulled me back in.
2: So are we in or out?
0: You're out. You are over and out.
1: No, 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 no. you
4: insulted
5: him a little bit? I'm okay with it, but now you're making me feel weird about it.
1: Yeah, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> um, so are in, out. Should you ever get engaged at someone else's wedding? Should you ever get engaged or, or at someone else's wedding? And I say no. Sheba, you say don't do it. I say
3: no. I say no.
1: But you want to see the brothers reconcile this?
3: Yes, I do. Okay. I'm out. So I'm out on this. But Good Morning Britain did put out a poll on Twitter yes. asking this exact question. And n- over 90% of people said no. You should never do- propose at someone else's wedding. Uh,
1: and uh, and uh, uh, maybe the 10% of people that have had that did that and then it went poorly for them after that like gifts were returned or they were never invited to another wedding again I don't know Dave Dave Hunter is in for Gord running you're the most recently married out of the th- that I'm aware of out of the three of us yeah, what if that so. ha- when, when when did you get a, uh, married
3: that was May 17th
1: Well, congratulations how's Thank it, how's, how's what we haven't gone into this how's it going so far
3: uh it's it's still, still shining like a diamond so everybody's far. <laughs> so far still still shining like how a diamond how long do you I really
1: say. expect it to never mind oh I, I got asked that okay. on the air when when I got engaged in 2000 <laughs> (laughs) Three, But um, what if someone had done this? Like, you just want, you want it to go smoothly and you can't have any, the drama should be about you that day. I mean, she was made that clear or more about your wife, to be honest.
3: I would have been very upset. I think my wife would have been even more upset. Uh, And in fact, last year I went to my sister-in-law, now sister-in-law's wedding. And one of her stipulations was, it'll be a great wedding as long as nobody else gets engaged. It'll be fine. Like, that's just off the table absolutely
1: i think there's others like there's other no goes for sure so 416-870-6400 if you want to text us on this this is an interesting text already i say ask the bride and groom ahead of time if they're okay with it no issue but then you're sort of you're really putting the onus like oh are they bad self-absorbed narcissists if they say no i'm sorry this is our day i don't know
3: I think there's nothing wrong with communication, especially if it's your brother and your (laughs) sister-in-law, soon-to-be sister-in-law. Have that conversation with them because you'll know how they feel, as opposed to getting fired from your job and, you know, being estranged siblings now.
1: I'd I'd like to. I'm often skeptical that some of these things are pranks or for attention. Like I hope that this guy isn't looking for more plumbing business, and this is like almost like that. Like you're going to find out about the plumbing company, and some people like, yes, way to stand up for your bride who was upset. By This display of narcissism, and I disagree. We played that panelist from Good Morning Britain who's like, You know, the, the, the most of your day is over. It sure isn't. The ceremony no. is like, whew, You're sweating vows, you're making sure you don't stumble. Dad walks, dad's supposed to walk down. Um, uh, the what's her called the bride? Uh, <laughs> how about a double a
3: wedding? Have you ever? Well, just I heard wondered of about that wedding? with
1: twins. I wondered if twins. Oh, will... I
3: know siblings, I know a brother and a sister who got married on the, they had a double wedding. He was the older brother. That's
1: really something. So who... And
3: it was huge. It was it was like a thousand people. They went all... But I guess they did it like one and done.
1: And that's also a... Do you go along to get along? If someone... If a, if a sibling says, Hey, why don't we do this? Boy, you feel like a jerk here. You're like, No, thanks. You have your own day and I'll have mine. It's like... I Sometimes people say, Would you like me to come by and pick you up? And I'm thinking... I don't know. I don't know if I want to be in a car with you for 108 minutes, wherever we're going. I'll get there on my own. I remember riding the go train with somebody that I, well, but I remember uh, being annoyed by somebody that was a previous coworker. And, and I had to take the go train with him on the way back uh, on the way to, to an event that we were supposed to go to. And Sheba, I, I might've talked 4% of the time. I know you're thinking that's really impossible, die. Yeah, that's, but this was a, this was a nonstop, uh, like, this, like silence. It's like Depeche Mode. Enjoy the silence sometimes. It's okay no for... Way. It's okay for it to be to quiet.
3: I sure do. It's probably what Gord had to go through on those few times <laughs> where you drove him home because he was having car issues. And he had to just... He, that's exactly oh, how Gord you, he's felt, He's a I'm
1: big sure. motor mouth. It's ridiculous. It's, it, it's out of control. But I do wonder... I, I like. I think that's re- really uh, ridiculous to suggest the best part of your day is over. The best part of your day is getting out of there and opening up the envelopes and finally getting something to eat when you get back to the hotel room. By the way, you're too tired for anything else. I think I saw a survey where. It what was, are you trying
3: like, to tell us? Well,
1: I, no nothing nothing about me? I don't share personal details about working? my life. It
3: wasn't working. It wasn't working. Oh please. Night, no, well,
1: the envelopes were working. I'm like, whoa, we got this. And like, why did they cheap out so much? Those are the fascinating things. And you're hungry. Did you not find you were hungry? The whole night you got me, you have no time to sit and eat because you're making sure everybody's having a good time.
3: No, you didn't. No, I'm telling you, weddings are a waste of time. You know how I feel about that. (laughs) I didn't even want to be at mine. Like it was just (laughs) overrated. I think they're overrated. They're a waste of people's time. They're a waste of the couple's money.
1: That's how I feel. All right. 416-870-6400. Can you get engaged at somebody else's wedding? Maybe you can do it quietly. Maybe that's a happy meeting. and, and, And then you're like hey, oh, that's great news. When did you decide? And you're like, while you were giving your speech um, to the bride or groom. See how that lands.
0: Toronto Today with Greg Brady. Weekdays at 5.30. We are 640 Toronto.
1: All right, I know uh, you're out listening to Toronto today, 640 Toronto. I know for talk show, uh, yobs like me, you hear your voice and you're like, do I sound like that? I don't think when bands hear their single, they're like, did we really lay that down? But this is the new single, I Run On Country, and uh, the Washboard Union is in studio with us, and we welcome in. The Band, uh, and from I'm going left to right here, we've got Chris, we've got Aaron, we've got David. Thanks a lot for coming in, guys. All Thanks wearing for ball caps, us, buddy. Thank you. two washboard union ball caps, and a Montreal Expos cap. So, you're current and retro at the same time. 81 Expos, that's right. <laughs> the 81, oh, yeah. The Blue Monday, yeah. I was that's, in fourth oh. grade when that happened, oh. watching those evil LA Dodgers. Breaking my heart right now. Is that more upsetting than the 94 strike?
4: Well, that was a tough one.
1: <laughs> I'm reading it down. I, we're supposed to be uplifting. Um, <laughs> he's not over either one yet. <laughs> he's not. He's not. Um, you can go to thewashboardunion.com, find out more about uh, this particular band. But um, you guys were on stage last night, uh, got the weather held up in Toronto, Chris, and, and had it a good did. show. did,
6: yeah. I don't know if that was a nice reprieve from the hot weather in Toronto or not, but it was a fantastic show and, and just so great to be back here. We don't always get out to Toronto as often as we'd like, so... It was incredible to be back and back on the CNE stage and and just here. It was just we always get such great warm welcome when we're here.
1: Well, I'm always on um that setlist website, setlist.fm. Okay. My wife's like, "What are you, you're supposed to be researching the show?" And I'm like, "I'm looking up like shows from you know 1980. What when was the first, last time Bon Jovi played here? That kind of stuff." <laughs> but I see that you guys let when you were in town in 2019 pre pandemic, you played the Mod Club. We Aaron, Le- that's we what a great did. historic, we got so many of those, Lee's Palace is like that, the Mod Club, the Horseshoe, yeah. you played the Mod Club, that's a, that's a tightly constricted yeah. venue there though. And it's it's really sadly
4: got- no longer, right?
1: Right. It's gone. Yeah, yeah, it didn't make it through um, the pandemic, unfortunately. Mm. I don't know if somebody bought it and they'll refurbish it, but it doesn't exist as the Mod Club right now. The Danforth Music Hall is another one, great one here in, in the city. What's it like playing right. in a small club for your fans instead of, you, you're you doing a lot of festivals fresh air and all that this yeah, summer. Yeah,
5: it's, it's interesting you say that because we, we do do a lot of summer festivals where you've got you know, 20, 25, whatever, many thousands of people there. But when you break that down back to a club, it's kind of reminiscent of where we started from because we started off playing for beer tickets way back in the day Yeah, and then realized that people were coming out to actually see the group. And then it became something bigger than what we were creating in our minds, basically. So when you get back to a club, it's so much fun just to like, bring it back and kind of remember where you came from. And then the energy in a club like that is, it's almost like the energy is contained. So it just feels like it's buzzing in there.
4: So
1: yeah. It's, it's
5: really fun to get into a small club again.
1: You guys have probably noticed this. I'll, I'll, I'll take this from any of the three of you. Toronto has gotten, I think it had a non-country reputation. And we didn't even have a country station on the air in Toronto. I, I moved back here from Michigan in 2007. And there wasn't as much country music on. But I think it's exploded now, David. And it's it's a big country market. We Luke Bryan can sell out Rogerson or We were just talking about Morgan Wallen. Like some of the biggest shows at Bud Stages right. here have think, been I, country gigs. I think Morgan's
4: doing three nights here. Crazy. Bud no stage? one else is. Yeah. Incredible. Um, yeah, I mean, you, you walk down the street, you see a lot of cowboy boots in town now, and that's something you didn't used to see a long time Not ago. <laughs> Not a lot of horses. Not a lot of horses. Yeah,
1: You do, well, with the traffic, it's probably the best option, but yeah. yeah. A lot of cleaning up with those horses, but you know how it goes. But yeah, yeah I mean, uh, people, like last night, people
4: showed up, and, and they were ready for a country show, and, and heck, we gave them one, so... They're there to enjoy.
1: Chris, you notice that in, in BC as well? With like, we we think of a yeah. BC's music scene as maybe not being as much country, but we were just talking about the evolution of country. Country is now. It sounds like the top forty I listened to twenty years ago. Wow. When I hear I run on country, that's to me that's a that's a pop song with with a rock edge to
6: it. Yeah, no, I guess it's it's true in that way. I mean, you think of some of the bigger centers in Canada, like Vancouver and Toronto, maybe not being as country, but then you go and you see how many people show up, and you just realize how many artists too are from out there. I mean. Dallas Smith, Washboard Union, Jojo Mason, Sean Austin. There's a whole lot of artists in Canada um, that are from Vancouver. But the other thing we see now is that country has exploded worldwide. Like we play in places we never thought we'd play. Uh, Southern France, uh, Spain, uh, Italy, Ireland, and like places that don't have country radio the way Canada or the U.S. would have sort sort of everywhere. But there are huge country fans all over the world. And so it's been so exciting to to see our music travel with us.
1: I'm glad you brought that up because I went to the UK first time when I was 24 in 1996. And there's no way. Like you think, who's a big artist in 1996? Garth Brooks, Aaron. And you wouldn't hear Garth Brooks on UK radio. No. But now you do hear these massive massive artists. The 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 Jason Aldean song, like that, that charted and obviously had some controversy with it, but it charted in the UK. Like it entered at like number eight or number seven. It's changed. It's just evolved to where it's global now.
5: Yeah. Well, I mean, there's also the uh, the social media yes. uh, outlet there that uh, helps with that. Uh, YouTube being a big one, we would show up at these festivals in uh, Spain and uh, as Chris was saying, Italy and France. Mm-hmm. And these people had entire line dances done to not just any old line dance, but specific songs that we had. So when Head Over Heels comes on, they have a dance for Head Over Heels. When Shot of Glory came on, they've got a dance for Shot of Glory. <laughs> it was incredible. And they have workshops. So earlier in the day, they would get together and you'd have master coaches teaching these people how to do the dance to Shot of Glory, for example, so that at night when the concert came, a thousand people are doing a line dance. <laughs>
4: It's but it, incredible. But it, it's slightly different, though, because instead of uh, red solo cups and beer, it's like fine crystal stemware and vive Clicquot. Absolutely. It's, Clicquot. Clicquot. it's just a little refined.
1: Well, Bud stage here in Toronto has these uh, guitars that it's mostly, I'll say this, it's mostly more women than men buying it. But it's a very cultural thing where they're just filled with, like, red wine. And it's enough red <laughs> wine to knock the four of us out combined. <laughs> But some women go back for a couple, men, women and men go back for a couple of them. I think they're like 58 bucks. Like it's, <laughs> it's you, free you, refills. That's right. That's right. It feels like, yeah, it's like at a at popcorn at a drive-in. It's, it's like that. And Chris, we listen to music so non-conventionally like we used to. So when, uh, when Aaron mentions like YouTube, like we don't sit there and watch, we don't, we don't watch videos like we used to. We don't vi- consume videos like we did when we would just put much music on or if we could get MTV, we'd just sit there and watch it for an hour in a row. People seek you guys out via those streams, though, so they can see what you're doing.
6: They do, and there's such communities that that turn people onto it. I mean, it, it is the strangest feeling to walk into a soundcheck in France and see people singing along to your song when it's never played on the radio, yeah. and, and you kind of don't understand how they would have known it, but they do it. And they know every word, like they're rabid fans. Um, so it's the most incredible feeling that way. The other thing is that people are exposed to music in such a, a different way than they were before, right? We are able to consume so much so quickly, that you can become a fan of a whole lot. What's, what's different that we've found for our music is people have stuck with us. It really feels like a union. It feels like a, a family um, because we've had fans that had you know, started being fans, and then they got married and had kids, and now their kids are fans. And it's just the coolest feeling to have families show up at the shows too.
1: Uh, we've got Chris Duncombe, Aaron Gray, and David John Roberts with us. They are The Washboard Union. You can visit them at thewashboardunion.com um yeah you guys have been at it do you do you uh, i always think um you can imagine with a talk show and whatnot um disagreement behind the scenes and debate is good do you guys debate argue about singles how to put a song together lyrics music solos good discussions that that make for a better better thing at the end or do you you find you fall in line you go no you all kind of have that instinct that that's the right thing i'm not saying you're the police i'm not (laughs) hold on a second (laughs) Or spinal tap for that matter. Aaron. Okay, yeah, exactly. <laughs> here's, here's the next you argument. talked enough. <laughs>
4: uh, How do you view it? You know what though? Uh, it, everybody's passionate about music, yeah, and uh, everyone has the same goal in mind, and that's to be uh, the best songwriter you can be, the best musician you can be, the best performer you can be. So it's it's a great environment to be in. It's challenging at times. It's it's inspirational at times, and it, it just it it's constantly changing. Um, we always joke about it though, because there's three of us. So decisions get made really quickly and you make the decision and, and everybody supports it and you move on. It's just, uh, you got to do it. You got to move forward.
1: Like a three headed d- democracy,
4: you're th- basically if you're a third
5: man out, then you're just out. <laughs>
6: yeah. And, and it's been a real family journey. Like you might not know this, but, Aaron and I have known each other since we were 13 because yeah. our parents started dating each other. My dad started dating Aaron's mom. Mm-hmm. And so we grew up as stepbrothers. And so it's always been sort of a family affair as we've grown up with it. Our families have gone through it. Aaron's kids have grown through it. All these kind of things. So. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. And and are uh, parents happily together still, et uh,
6: No. Uh, I mean, no, they were for about 15 years, though. Okay.
1: Yeah. 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 What was that early? What were those early? Because t- t- teens, that's... You know, you're establishing relationships with your parents. You're establishing your own relationships as well. What was that dynamic like between you guys? Everybody wants to make sure everybody's getting treated the proper way, right? And happy. I just want to see your parents happy. I remember
5: it being very strange because it's like, okay, it's time to go on a camping trip to go meet, you know, my partner's uh, son. And, you know, we have our own friends at that age and you're, you're nervous or whatever the case is. And we realized that we had music in common right away. So we just sat in my mom's uh, West Valia van <laughs> and on the floor with a you know, cassette tape thing and, and listened to music. And we wrote our first song together, I think, at 13 and a half. So, you know, it's been going on for a long time. David, did you find them or did they find you? I
4: actually won them in a card game.
1: I, that, that happens sometimes. Yeah, 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 yeah that happens. And uh, yeah. what, was the, what was the game? <laughs> chase the ace, chase the ace. <laughs> <laughs> now i you a uh, wikipedia is often untrue it certainly is sometimes for news articles you guys actually were called run gmc at one point in time <laughs> how we long were. did that last that's a deep, was that that's a deep dive <laughs> well it's Rick. on I, I know we could do some editing later on uh we get our- <laughs> this wasn't like you know the new yardbirds or something which was led zeppelin's original name this wasn't something that is uh is a tale of yore this actually happened right Oh yeah, it was a real thing. This was—we
6: just used to go down Tuesday nights in this band house we we lived in, and just played old trucker songs of songs we love with Marty Robbins and Red Sovine and C.W. McCall and all these old country and old bluegrass.
4: All the trucker Tuesday.
6: And then our friends started showing up at the house when we'd be playing, so we decided to go to you know bars that friends of ours owned, and then people just started showing up more and more. So we kind of needed a name. We thought that name was funny, and then played and played <laughs> until a producer went. I want to do a record with you guys. And he was a fairly renowned producer. And, and he said, you've got to change the name or we can't go any further. <laughs> they weren't expecting run DMC <laughs> covers, were they? They weren't <laughs>
1: expecting UB uh, Ellen you know, or anything to, get as we, to come out for you guys.
6: We actually got hired in Whistler to play a Ford <laughs> event and we were called run GMC at the time.
1: <laughs> Bill Ford <Tuck. laughs> <laughs> totally. uh, It's like coming to a, something sponsored by Coke and saying on stage, you drink Pepsi or something <laughs> totally. like that. Yeah. that. That mistake can, uh, can be made a fair bit. Um, post pandemic, what was it like getting it all back together? I mean, the pandemic just derailed everything for music. I, I've often, I've had people in the music industry said, listen, we were the first thing to shut down. We were the last thing to come back, but we're roaring right now. You see the concert numbers, the concert industry, live music's never been bigger. This is a massive year.
6: Absolutely.
1: Yeah, it was, it was a big pause.
5: Uh, you know, when we thought it would last a week or two, three, maybe, and then it dragged on for a good three years, we were we just finished playing the States, uh, just before the pandemic hit. So we we're in Texas and Oklahoma and a bunch of other places and we were just sort of like getting a good run down there. Yeah. And then everything shut down. So it kind of kicked us up back yeah. a little bit. Did you it have to travel just,
1: back? Like you felt like this is something's going on. The walls are kind of closing in a little bit. We don't know what we should do here. Like keep playing or go back or
5: well, it's just just the way business works and and getting the our business back on track after the pandemic but we're finally getting back down there um and so now we're we just played in Wisconsin we're on our way to Florida uh we're playing Mexico again here in the new year oh man um yeah. and so yeah things are getting right back so to your point yeah it's coming all back again but what i'm noticing is that
1: instead of buying
5: things people are really buying experiences they want experiences
1: right now. we we just we sat around with stuff For two years, we just acquired stuff, put something in the backyard, got a new TV or whatever, and then we just wanted to go out again.
5: So more people than than ever, I'm hearing, they're traveling to these concerts. They're traveling eight hours drive to come to a, you know, for us, a Washboard Union concert or flying across the country to go to like some country fest or you know, something like that. But it's not stuff, it's experiences.
1: Well, and um, I'm sure there was Vancouverites flying out to Toronto for Taylor Swift next November, but we're really oh. sorry Vancouver didn't. G- I'm serious. I, I think you <laughs> should have got a couple shows. I think this should be relitigated <laughs> re- and investigated. Um, but either Great. way, um, we can't thank you guys enough for coming in. And you did it the night after a gig. So I know that's not mm. conventional, but I thank you guys for coming in and uh, people can find the new single I run on country on Spotify, wherever, and find out more about you guys at thewashboardunion.com.
5: Thanks for having us. I'm happy
1: for your success. Thanks for coming in. I'm a fan.
6: Man, thank you so much for having us.